Season 1, Episode 100, Pete's Podcast, Bible Story Evangelism, Acts chapter 26, verses 1 through 32. C.I. Schofield's program, uh, uh, outline uh, has chapter 26 as Paul's defense before Agrippa, and to put chapter 26 in context, we have uh, chapter 25. Uh, we have uh, Festus has was come into the province. Chapter 25, verse 1. After three days, he ascended up to Caesarea to Jerusalem, being a good governor, I guess, of Judea. Like, I'm not saying necessarily that he was that good, but uh, if he was that good, he would have... Whatever. I, I don't know what he would have done. Uh, I think God had works, you know, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now, I don't think he hardened Pharaoh's heart to the point that he couldn't trust in Christ, the Passover lamb, but symbolized in the 10th plague. But, and maybe did. But he could uh, cause certain people to make certain, certain choices short of trusting Christ. I just don't believe that God would would make someone trust Christ and another not. I mean, that's just... It pleased God to save them that believe by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever... So people that believe in the, what I call the any meeny my any meeny my any meeny miny mo God, you know, that He just picks for arbitrary reasons... Uh, to me, it's just logical that therefore he picks people to spend eternity separated from him in a place called hell. And I don't buy that. But anyway, uh, trying to get to chapter 26, going back to chapter 25, Festus has just come to town. Uh, he's probably read the chief captain's letter to Felix. Um, I think Felix has left and uh, probably read the, probably re led the read the letter that uh, the chief captain, Claudius Lysias, had written to Festus, uh, saying, I, uh, I, I'm sending him to you be to save his life. I really don't know what he's done wrong. I don't find any fault with him, worthy of death or imprisonment, or death in bonds. Anyway, um, I don't think Festus did either. Festus complained, I mean, uh, Felix complained to Festus, how do I send, I mean, he sat in Caesarea for two years, just waiting for somebody else to come along and make, make the call. How do you send someone to Caesar and not say why that would make sense to a Roman? And uh, Festus has uh, inherited that problem. Porcus Festus, sorry, uh, uh, Roman name. Uh, they fed their army with pork, from what I understand. So it, it does have to do with pigs. Obviously, it's not a Jewish name. But Festus, the Roman governor of Judea, uh, has an opportunity to get some advice. So he goes to King Agrippa and uh, just reading uh, the last... Uh, few verses of, uh, I'm going to end up reading the whole chapter, chapter 25. I, uh, I think Paul is explaining to Festus 
um, the, his problem. But verse 19 of chapter 25, but had certain questions against him, the, the, the Jewish leaders of Jerusalem, which he's kind of in charge of. That's the capital of the province he's in charge of. The Roman capital is Caesarea. But, but certain questions against Paul of their own superstition and of one Jesus, which was dead, 30 years dead now, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. And because I doubt of such manner of questions, I asked him whether he would go to Jerusalem and there be judged of these matters. But when Paul had appeared to be reserved unto the hearing, but Paul, but when Paul had appealed to be reserved unto the hearing of Augustus, which is Caesar Nero at this time, I command, I commanded him to be kept till I might send him to Caesar. And really, the the waiting period here is to figure out what to. Uh, what to charge him with. Uh, the, when Agrippa said to Festus, I would also hear the man myself. Tomorrow, Festus said, thou shalt hear him. And on the morrow, when Agrippa was come and Bernice his daughter with great pomp and was entered into the place of hearing, I think in Caesarea, the judgment seat, and the chief captains and principal men of the city of Caesarea, at Festus' commandment, Paul was brought forth. And Festus said, King Agrippa, and all men which are here present with us, you see this man, Paul, about whom all the multitude of the Jews have dealt with me, both in Jerusalem and also here in Caesarea, crying that he ought not to live any longer. But when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, and that he himself hath appealed to Augustus, again Caesar Nero, I have determined to send him, of whom I have no certain thing to write unto my Lord, unto Caesar. Wherefore I have brought him forth before you, and especially before thee, O King Agrippa, whose King Herod Agrippa of the Jews of Judea there's a Roman there's a Roman governor who's more powerful than the Jewish king but but they've had a King Herod for many years uh, and this is the grandson of, of Herod the Great or whatever anyway that there's six Herods so it gets a little confusing that after examination had I might have somewhat to write for it seemeth to me unreasonable to send a prisoner not with all to signify the crimes laid against him my son's a police officer. When he arrests someone, he has to write a report that makes sense. Not that this man claims that Jesus rose from the dead. That just doesn't make sense. I mean, he wouldn't be a police officer very long if he did stuff like that. Anyway, all right, so I've tried to set up chapter 26 here, which you might have just listened to. But anyway, Acts chapter 26, verses 1 through 32. Uh, C.I. Schofield points out uh, one outline point here, Paul's defense before Agrippa. And Paul's, uh, Schofield's outline is, is public record and so anyway, alright then verse 
chapter 26, verse 1. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. So this kind of, that statement right there kind of makes me think that that uh, Festus has kind of turned over this hearing to Agrippa to help him determine what to charge this man with. So he's he's turned the court, if you will, over to the Jewish King Herod Agrippa. Then, verse 1 again, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews, Wherefore I beseech thee to hear me patiently. Verse 4. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among my own nation at Jerusalem, known, know all the Jews. All the Jews know my background. He's about 60 years old, and people 60 years old can remember when they were 5 years old, 4 years old, whatever. They know, they know him. A lot of them know him. Verse 5. Which knew me from the beginning. I've got a lot of old friends in Jerusalem. They're not my friends anymore, a lot of them. But if they would testify, this is what they would tell you. That after the most straightest, most narrowest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Again, he's addressing King Agrippa. Verse 6, I now stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. The promise to Abraham that all nations, all families of the world would be blessed through Abraham. Through the Messiah that would be born through his seed, Isaac. His seed and Sarah's seed. He had other children uh, other than Sarah, but Sarah and Abraham's only child was, was Isaac, of which uh, I would argue that Abraham wasn't Jewish and Isaac had two sons. He was a father of two nations and, and it was his youngest son by minutes or seconds um, was Jacob and his name was changed to Israel and father of 12 tribes. And Anyway, verse 6 again. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise of God. When you hope or believe or have faith in the promise made by God, you're good. Not because you have X amount of hope or faith, but because of the object of your hope and faith. The promise made of God unto our fathers, which they believed. Tells us in Hebrews that Abraham believed it so much he was willing to offer Isaac, thinking that God would raise him from the dead. Hebrews chapter 11, lovingly called the hall of faith, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. It goes through the history of man back to the garden. Verse 7, 
unto which promise are twelve tribes, twelve sons of Israel, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. So our tribes believed in the promise of God. Because it was made by God. Continuing verse 7 here. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Because I believe that hope was fulfilled in Jesus Christ is what he's saying. And King Agrippa is a smart man. He knows what he's saying. That Jesus is the Messiah. Verse 8. And why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I'm, in, I'm brought here in question of, of the raising of the dead. The Sadducees don't believe in it. The Pharisees sounded like they were ready to let him go. But the Sadducees don't believe in it. And uh, I don't know which side of that King Agrippa falls on. But uh, verse 9. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus Christ. There was a time, about 30 years ago, I think it was for a year or two, that Paul was bent or successfully persecuting the church after the resurrection of Christ. When he had done everything he could do in Jerusalem and run off all the believers there, except for the apostles, um, he... Um, went to Damascus, a foreign city, to capture runaway Jewish believers. Well, he's telling that story right here. I barely thought of with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison. Saints are believers in Jesus Christ. Jewish, any other believers in Jesus Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if your hope is in the God that promised salvation to those that, that simply believe in Jesus Christ as their only hope for heaven, then you're a saint. Having received authority of the chief priests, <clears throat> and when they were put to death, I, Paul, gave my voice against those saints, against them. Verse 11, And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. Now, the chief priests, they have soldiers. They, they were the ones that took Jesus. Um, they are armed. The Romans have let... The Roman practice was the same as the, the, all the practices. Um, Nebuchadnezzar of Mesopotamia, Cyrus the Great of Persia, Alexander the Great, let the people you conquer, as you conquer the world, let them run their own affairs. It takes a lot less soldiers on your part to let them take care of their own affairs as much as possible. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities, like in the very next verse, Damascus. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission of the chief priests, the Gather up. I'm sure he's got some of the soldiers from the chief priests, the ones that probably have grown in authority because it, with the stoning of Stephen, uh, the Jews have taken more authority. The Romans have slackened up. And, and 
things are always going to change. They're never going to remain the same. And I think that the Jews have more authority to to act than they did uh, at the time of Christ, 30 years earlier. 30, 40 years, things change. Uh, you got to live 60 to realize that. But anyway, whereupon I went to Damascus with authority and commission from God from the chief priests. At midday, that would be noon, O King Agrippa, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun. I would argue if it was lesser bright at noonday, then you wouldn't see it. But it was bright. Shining round about me and them that journeyed with me. So I kind of picture this band of Merry men surrounded by this bright light. I don't know how merry they were, but... Verse 14. And when we were all fallen to the earth... So picture this group with a bright light on them, and all the soldiers fall off their horses. I'm sure they were... I would guess they were all mounted. I heard a voice speaking unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. When I was in the army one time, I got my leg caught in uh, barbed wire. And I tell you what, I very carefully uh, dealt with that and unhooked my leg. Fortunately, it just grabbed my field pants, which was an outer pair of pants, pretty much, I think, from World War II. But uh, big pockets for carrying a lot of stuff. They were field pants. They had suspenders because you'd put so much stuff in your pockets. Anyway, they were kind of neat. Field pants, I, they probably don't have them anymore, but they use something else. It is hard to, but I'll tell you what, when I got tangled in barbed wire, one time I was running across a field, and all of a sudden I just came to a stop. My leg came to a stop, and therefore I came to a stop. Just fell flat forward, rucksack on my back, smashing my face into the ground. It wasn't pleasant. But, I, I you know, I, I didn't know what happened. And there was this wire caught in my field pants that had stretched out completely and wasn't letting go. So these pants were pretty tough. They were not going to rip easily. I never saw one rip, but I'm sure they did. You could wear them out. But but I, I wore them a lot, and I never wore a pair out. But it is hard for thee to kick against a prick. So anyway, if, and God will send little things into your life to, to guide you. And he's been guiding Paul. And Paul has had some pricks to his conscience. Um, watching Stephen die with the face of an angel. Acts chapter 7 probably made him rethink things. And I, I think it was within a year that, that this happened. This bright light. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. So I don't know how God is pricking your heart. But you still you can still deny him if you want. Paul... Turned on a dime, as far as I can tell. He goes on with his testimony in verse 15. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And that could be the lowercase, you know, just sir. Who art thou, sir? Um, we really don't know. I mean, he really turned on a dime if that's all it took, was to hear this voice from heaven in the Hebrew language, in the Hebrew tongue. I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue. Well, it didn't say it was from heaven. He didn't say it was from heaven. But anyway, verse 16, the, ver the voice continues to talk to Paul. 
well, Paul Paul asks, who art thou? In, in verse 15, and the voice said, and he's, and the voice said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. You persecute my people, you persecute me, is what he's saying. Verse 16, Paul, but, I'm sorry, but arise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister, a servant, if you will, and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and those things in which I will appear or show unto you. And he goes out with Christ for two years in, in the Arabian desert, uh, the wilderness, and is taught by Christ, and uh, Christ appears to him in the in the uh, in the, the barracks in Jerusalem. Hey, I'm going to send you to Rome. He appeared to him in uh, on his third missionary journey. Hey, I got friends in the city. In uh, Corinth, I think it was. I've got friends here. Don't be afraid. Paul's going to shipwreck on the way to Rome in chapter in the, in the, before we finish. We've got two more chapters left in Acts. Delivering thee from the people. Let me, verse 16. But arise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and witness of both things which thou hast seen and of things in which I will appear unto to thee. Delivering thee from the people. So I know that you know, you've been in their hands twice recently. They're, they want to kill you. Uh, your nephew saved you one time. And the Claudius Lysias saved you one time. And Felix kept you safe. and I mean uh, Festus kept you safe. And Felix kept you safe. And from the Gentiles. Which pretty much is Roman. Unto whom I now send thee, which is, you're on your way to Rome, like I told you a couple years ago, when you were first taken in Jerusalem. And this odyssey began, if you will. Verse 18. To open their eyes, this is your goal, my friend, to whom I now send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. And inheritance among them. Which are sanctified by faith. Set apart by faith. That is in me. Jesus Christ is speaking here. And that's what I did 48 years ago. I understood it was a free gift. Salvation was a free gift. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. For by grace he saved through faith that not of yourselves a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul wrote all of those, I think. But, um, yeah, he did. Uh, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Is your faith in him? I, you know, that's your call, my friend. Faith comes by hearing, <coughs> and hearing by the Word of God. So that's the hopefully the emphasis of this podcast, 
is the word of God. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I spent my next 30 years telling the small and the great about Jesus Christ. Now, King Agrippa is possibly the greatest person he's had a chance to talk to. Been mostly a lot of small people. And I, I definitely find that true in my case. Very rarely do I talk to anybody of any importance. Um, but, you know, I'm shooting in the dark here. I don't know who's listening to this, but probably. But it's nothing wrong with being small. God made a lot of small people. I mean, I'm not talking about small. I'm talking about uh, relatively unimportant. But again, God, read First, First Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1 where it says, you know, God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the world. So uh, Paul was, he was, well, he was much greater as an apostle than he was as a Pharisee. Moses was much greater as a leader of Israel than he was as in line in Pharaoh's family. So it's kind of backwards the way Lord does stuff. So when I say small, I we're children of the King. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we can call Abba Father. All things are possible. You take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but Thy will be done. And we all have cups. I lost my wife. I was sad about that. I was in a near fatal motorcycle accident. Uh, I retired um, whatever but anyway verse 19 Where, whereupon O King Agrippa I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision like which is go I'm sending you arise for I have appointed you all right um, verse 19 whereupon O King Agrippa I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision but showed first unto them of Damascus and that's where he first witnessed because he was on the road to Damascus so and he had to be let down in a basket because they wanted it, people that didn't believe what he was saying wanted to kill him and felt betrayed by the heretic of you know Paul was leading the charge against Christians, and then he started leading the charge for Christ. But showed first of all to them at Damascus, and then he, they took him to Jerusalem, and at Jerusalem, and throughout the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, through Asia Minor, three missionary journeys, that they should repent. Hebrews 6.1 Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the, repent, the foundation of repentance. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, which is your very best works, whatever you're counting on to get you to heaven, church membership, family, whatever, some deed you did. Repent of your dead works and, and faith towards God. So you turn from your works and you and you put your faith in God. And do works meet 
suitable for repentance. And then get to work. After salvation comes works. You join the family and the Heavenly Father says, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I'm very happy with memorizing scripture and making these podcasts. I'm also sending letters to my about 50 descendants of my father. I think one is just born, so it's 51 now. Uh, Great, great grandchildren of my dad from war. But it's great to hear from my dad every day. Uh, He ended his life as a believer. I'm I'm sure of that. But, uh, But showed first unto them in Damascus and Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles of Asia Minor and Greece and the island of Cyprus and other islands because you catch a boat and you get off wherever it goes only as far as it goes and they should repent and turn to God repent means to reconsider I'm asking you to reconsider if you haven't turned from your dead works the works will never save you and faith towards God and then it would be a good idea if you got to work Like Paul did. Verse 21. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple. He was he went to Jerusalem and the the James and the other apostles said, Hey, we'd really like you to appease some of these Jewish believers because they think you you know you're not a good person and could you just take a Jewish vow? And that's where he was caught and nearly killed. And the, Claudius Lysias had to save him. And then he spoke on the steps of the Roman guardhouse and they tried to take him again. The picture, I think, is they carried him in over their shoulders. The the guards did into the castle. And then they tried to tear him to the next day. And then Claudius Lysias said, you know, uh, Paul's nephew said, hey, they're they're lying in wait to kill him. They're going to try to trick you. Bring him down to the Jewish judgment hall again tomorrow. And that night he took him with a guard of 470 soldiers and at least two centurions. Uh, And Paul writing. But anyway, took him to Caesarea and that's where he's been for the last two years. As these Romans try to figure out what to do with him. And that's the whole point right here. What, Festus, what do I do with this guy? (coughs) Verse 21. For these causes, because I went around sharing Christ with everybody, caught me in the temple, and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help from God, God intervened, and continued, and continue unto this day. When I tell people about my near-fatal motorcycle, and the fracture of my C7, that's that's the quadriplegic. That's the broken neck that, that leaves you, you know, broken. And somehow the spinal cord was untouched. I mean, I saw it exposed. But I think, you know, and I tell this to people, um, and, and probably half the time they say, you're lucky to be alive. And then I, depending on how the conversation goes, I always, I, if I think they're believers, I say, well, you know, absent body present with the Lord, I don't know how lucky I am, but I'm here. Uh, or as Paul said, it's more needful for you that I be here. Anyway, I continue unto this day, Witnessing both to small and great, saying none other th- things 
than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. I'm saying they've come. They're here. Jesus walked the earth 30 years ago. That's all I'm saying. I met him. I've talked to him. He saved my life on a number of occasions. Possibly stoned to death in Lystra. I don't know. Raised from the dead. He said he caught up in the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, he didn't know. I'll let you look that one up. Verse 23. Well, let me. it's a complete sentence, so let me go back to 22. Having therefore obtained help of God to continue this day, witnessing both the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. That's exactly what he's done here with Festus. I mean, um, what's his name? Agrippa. Um, he's given him his testimony. You know, my testimony is don't ride a motorcycle in the dark. And then I tell him of all my injuries, and then I tell him I woke up in the ambulance. It wasn't my fault. Lady was charged with the accident. I hit the side of her SUV and, and uh, tell him my injuries. And, and then I tell him, but I woke up in the ambulance. If I hadn't woke up in the ambulance, I'd have woke up in heaven. That's my testimony. We all have different testimonies. Let me read 22 again. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other thing than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. So I've been using the Old Testament up to this point. Now he's writing the New Testament. Wrote almost half or over half, depending on whether he wrote Hebrews. That Christ should suffer, which he did. And that Christ should be the first that should raise from the dead. Now, resurrection of the dead is, is one of the five things that are listed in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. They are um, uh, repentance from dead works, faith towards God, uh, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgments, the five eternal judgments. So, the, the resurrection of the dead, so we have Christ should suffer and should be the first to rise from the dead. I think he was the first to technically rise from the dead, as I'll describe it to you now. In, in, in Luke chapter 16, Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. I argue that never is in, a, in a parable is a, is a man mentioned by name. It's more generic than that. But anyway, um, there's a great gulf. He, he w Jesus said to the thief on the cross, This day you'll be with me in paradise. The story in Luke 16 is the rich man was in Hades, not because he was rich, but because he never believed in Jesus Christ. And and Abraham, we know why he was there, because he believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Genesis 15, 6, and all, Paul and James and Peter, they all talk about the faith of Abraham in the Messiah. So, uh, and the writer of Hebrews does as well. Uh, Christ should suffer and should be the first to rise from the dead. See, when Christ, when he met Mary Magdalene on the way up, and he said, don't touch me on the first Sunday, the first day of the week after the crucifixion, he said, don't touch me, I've not yet risen to fight. He's leading a bunch of, he's leading captivity captive, Peter says. He's leading all those that were in Abraham's bosom. I think that would include Adam to anybody that just died a couple minutes before he did. He's going to lead them to heaven. 
the Old Testament saints, if you will, leading them to, no one had been in the presence of God in heaven. No person had until Christ led the way. And now we're absent body, present with the Lord. Paradise is empty in Sheol. Jesus described it this way. As Jonah was in the belly of the well, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. He preached unto the saints in captivity. He led captivity captive. And that's... He was the first. That Christ... So I just taught you like Paul did, that Christ should suffer and should be the first that should rise from the dead. Now, I don't think you get that story. I've never heard a preacher say it. I've heard... We'll call him Bob... My Bible college professor was one, but I've never heard a pastor initiate that that story that I tell, that I heard from Bob, which I think is backed up with Scripture. And should show the light unto the people. Verse 23 again. And Christ should suffer, and he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and should show a light unto the people and to the Gentiles. The people would be Israel. The the Gentiles would be everybody else. Verse 24. Paul's Paul's finished here. He's going to say a few more things. But the sermon is over. Verse 24. And as Paul thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. I guess, I don't know if he's upset that, you know, because he hasn't really listed any crime that, you know, Caesar's going to think is worthy of death. But Nero, I don't think he was insane the whole time he was emperor, but I've heard it was a sexually transmitted disease that that's what, that's not in the Bible, of course, but, but that's what I heard drove him nuts. But anyway... You know, he fiddled when Rome burned and he persecuted Christians pretty much in the Colosseum, etc. And as he had thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning hath made thee mad. But Paul said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For I know... For, I'm sorry, for the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. Uh, Passover plot and all that garbage, you know. But hey, I got an idea. Why don't we pretend Jesus rose from the dead, we'll steal a body, you know, and we'll all die horrible deaths, you know promote that uh, seen over 500 witnesses if you want to believe that this was done in a corner smoke filled room somewhere and it's been so successful whatever you can believe whatever you want it's up to you verse 27 Paul goes on King Agrippa believest thou the prophets I know thou believest this is really good I mean this is you know, when I when I tell people I woke up in the ambulance, if I hadn't woke up in the ambulance, I'd have woke up in heaven. Not because I'm good, but because Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for my sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten 
son, that whosoever, God had me at whosoever 48 years ago. Believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I got two questions for you. Do you believe God loves whosoever? Because Paul asked a question here. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? Do you believe that God loves the world? Do you believe that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, anyone? Do you believe that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life? I believe those things. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And God will save them that believe by the foolishness of preaching. Do you believe that? I'm going to start asking more questions because Paul asked Agrippa right here. And this is what Agrippa says in verse 28. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I'm not sure when I believed. I'm not sure when Nicodemus believed. I'm, I'm pretty sure he believed. Wouldn't surprise me at all to meet Agrippa in heaven. At any rate, and Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am. A child of God. Except these bonds. Were almost and altogether such as I am. Except for these bonds. Verse 30. And when Paul had thus spoken. The king rose up. And the governor Festus and Bernice. The king's daughter. Uh, Agrippa's daughter. And they that sat with him, the leaders of Caesarea, the Romans, I think, you know, they're, they're going to talk about, you know, the purpose of this was so that Festus would have something to write to Nero, who is a little unpredictable. Verse 31, And when they were gone aside out of the room, they talked between themselves. So this is done in a corner. Saying, This man doth nothing worthy of death or bonds. Now, it doesn't say they were talking among themselves. You know, these, these, the council of, of Caesarea, could, there could be more than just Festus, uh, Agrippa, and his daughter uh, chiming in here. This could be a, a group discussion. Festus is probably saying, hey, anybody pick up anything I can write to Caesar, to Nero? Verse 32, the last verse of chapter... 28, 27? What is this? 26. Last verse of chapter 26. We've got 27 and 28 to go. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, This man might have been set at liberty, have been set free, if he had not appealed unto Caesar. And you go, you know, when I first read that as a young Christian, I thought, man, that's too bad. Oh, this is great. He's going to go to Rome. He's an old man. And, you know, absent body, present with the Lord. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Paul's got a lot to look forward to. Church legend is that he was beheaded in Rome. I'm not sure how long he was there, but it does say in the last chapter of Acts... 27 or 28, I'm not sure which one. It says, and some believed and some didn't. And that's 
pretty much the risk we take when we give our testimony and tell people how we were saved and what the prophets, what, what the writers of the faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, I will say adios. Let me say that tomorrow we're going to look at chapter 27, which is Paul sent to Rome by ship. The storm, which uh, leaves them on a island. And, uh, but the storm, this is, we don't really have them crashed on the ship, on the shore yet. And then the last of uh, Schofield's outline here is the moral ascendancy of Paul, which is to lead by morality, by, by taking the high road. Paul leading the centurion during the shipwreck. You know, stay on the ship if you want to be saved, which is meant survive in this case. And uh, so there's 24, there's 44 verses in chapter 27. So I will say adios, which is to God. And I will say vaya con Dios, which is go with God. <laughs>